Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is up? Coming to you from inside Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, where the Buffalo Bills just improved to 7-6 and six and saved their season. You look around the AFC, a lot of teams are uh, sitting there at 7-6. and six. The Bills sit in 11th even after this win. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast post-game edition. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino, and this is brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. Real meat and real Butchers, freshness and quality guaranteed. Better meals start with better meats at the best deals in town. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you could trust to serve the very best to your family. Expert butchers, hand-cut fresh, high-quality USDA choice beef, and premium pork in-store daily. If you don't know, if you don't see what you need, custom cuts and special requests requests are welcome. Large assortment of all-natural, grass-fed, antibiotic-free, and plant-based options for your family. Ryan Talbot, man, it wasn't the prettiest win. It wasn't the easiest win. The Bills offense really struggled in the second half here tonight. A lot to get into. Uh, I have a checklist indeed, but let's start just from the 30,000-foot view at what went into this game, how the Bills entered this game. You see the raw emotion. I I put out a video clip of Ed Oliver talking about his feelings on the article that came out uh, that really was a deep dive uh, and and very critical of Sean McDermott. Uh, He called it, um, um, you know, I'm not going to use the language. You watch the clip, but he he wasn't thrilled with it. You know, would like stuff like that to stay in-house and called whoever put their their names or didn't put their names on that stories uh, a coward. And uh, you just seen all of the different people in the Bills organization stepping up to show their support for Sean McDermott. He obviously was touched by it. Uh, the emotions at the end of the game even mentioned that Andy Reid and some members of the of the coaching staff for the for the Chiefs came up to him and said something after the game. And then it was Brandon Bean. I, I tweeted the video out that the Bills put out on their account uh, in a very animated Brandon Bean saying that the, the Bills had their back, his back, 
and that it gave him the game ball. It was an emotional win and a very needed win for the Bills. Yeah, a much-needed win, obviously, to stay in this playoff picture. Like you said, they remain as uh, the number 11 seed right now. Obviously, the top seven get in. Uh, but the emotions were on display. You saw the post-game speech getting a little bit choked up with uh, you know players saying how they had their, had his back, that being Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean giving him a game ball. Uh, this meant a lot to him based on everything that had been going on the past week over this bye week. With that story coming out, uh, it was definitely a game that meant a lot to him. And uh, listen, his side of the ball is what ended up winning them this game. He, holding the Kansas City Chiefs to 17 points uh, is no small feat, and uh, his unit really came up big when it mattered most. Yeah, and so let's start there and the defensive effort uh, on that last series and the craziest play you'll ever see mm. that won't end up being in the history books, you know, Patrick Mahomes finding Travis Kelsey over the middle, uh, nothing but uh, open green grass. And as he looks to turn up field, he kind of stops, looks to this to his left and throws cross field past the Kadarius Tony uh, laterals it, it. He catches it, runs it into the end zone. And at that moment, you know, Josh Allen and, and company were talking about, all right, um, over a minute left. Even Ed Oliver said, okay, they scored. That's not great, but we have Josh Allen. He's got a, over a minute to go, go in the game. And so, you know, the sideline was kind of preparing for that. Well, little did everybody knows, know that Kadarius Tony was actually lined up offsides. And, you know, a couple of people mentioned it in the press box. It was a strange play because you'd think that they would blow the play blown the play dead and not let it kind of continue out as an offensive offsides penalty. Um, but it, it, it ends up going and, and, and playing out. Uh, the referee was actually, there's a pool report. An interview was done with the head official, Carl Schiffers after the game. And the big point of emphasis on that play, Ryan was made to be from the chief's point of view, even Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed, very animated about it. There should have been a warning given to given to Tony. Well, Sheffer said that um, while a warning could be requested and granted, it isn't a guaranteed situation, especially if the the person that it's lined up offside is, is egregiously so, uh, which the the officials determined him to be. Yeah, he, he, egregious is a good word for it. I mean, uh, he he was right lined up with the football. It wasn't even close. I get Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid being upset that they weren't giving some kind of warning to uh, get where they needed to go on that player to get lined up properly. But at the end of the day, it's it's up to the player to make sure you're lined up correctly. Uh, and it was Tony's fault for where he was lined up. It was the right call at the right time. Uh, I, I've seen some takes on social media, Robert Griffin III saying how, you know, it shouldn't have been called. It took away a special moment which is just a crazy take to have in, in general. But it, it's, you know, uh, the officials are getting bashed every week in the NFL, and a lot of the times rightfully so. Uh, but this was certainly one of those calls that they absolutely got right, Matt. They did. Uh, and then after the play uh, goes down the way that it does, everybody's got to reset. And now if you're Sean McDermott's defense, you're in a place you've been all too often this season you know, in the past against this team, Patrick Mahomes with the ball in his hands under two minutes to play. And, you know, third and 15, 
you, know, you go back even a couple quarters in this game when the Bills gave up that big third and long. I think it was a 23-yard play uh, to Travis Kelsey. Nothing is out of the realm of possibilities for their offense to figure out a way to make a play. So you have the third and 15. It ends up being Ed Oliver making the play, getting into the backfield. I thought he was a constant force in this game once again. Another huge performance for Oliver, who had a simple reply uh, after the game. He was credited with a half a sack. Uh, he had a quarterback hit. Uh, he had a pass uh, deflected. That, that was the one on the third and 15. He said, listen, that's what they pay me to do. And that's what that's what he got an extension to do is to make big plays in big moments like that. Uh, brings up the fourth down. The Bills cover on the back end. Uh, do a good job of, of combining their pressure with their uh, coverage on the back end. And, and oh, by the way, this was all done with Micah Hyde out of the game who left with a stinger earlier in the game. Uh, we'll see uh, what transpires with that. but uh, And also A.J. Epinesa, who makes this huge splash play to start the game. You know, a couple years ago, it was Greg Rousseau. Remember when he had that big yeah. interception against Patrick Mahomes? Today it was, it was A.J. Epinesa, and you start to wonder, okay, could this be like A.J. Epinesa's big, like, statement kind of game? And, and when he's made a play early in the game in, in, in years past, this season, early in the year, it ends up being a big statistical performance. He suffers a rib injury. He looked to be okay in the locker room after the game. We'll see how that transpires over the course of the week. But it was kind of stolen from him, and they had to go the rest of the way. We'll talk about Von Miller in a little while. Um, but overall, this was a defensive moment for Sean McDermott and this crew, who you know earlier this year against Mac Jones in the final drive – you know, were the the reason that the Bills lost that game, and and, I, and they didn't want to be that this time around, and they weren't. No, absolutely, and you know, I felt like AJ Epines a huge play to open the game, and and after he went out, I thought that the pass rush at times really was struggling to get to Mahomes and, and get consistent pressure, but on the final drive of, of the game when everything mattered most, you get Ed Oliver with the batted pass on third down, Leonard Floyd with great pressure off the edge on that fourth down play. Uh, probably is what caused the pass to be a little bit high. Mahomes couldn't step into it, couldn't necessarily get it out at, at the point that he wanted to. So when it mattered most, they did get guys getting in there, getting that pressure, causing the incomplete passes, uh, and turning the ball over on downs. Um, let's get into Von Miller here because it was it's such a strange thing to talk about him on a football field. What is it, 10 days removed from right. – um, him, his arrest in Dallas, Texas and Phil Lehman. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us late on a Sunday night here. Um, it was a game where, you know, Ryan, I tweeted at some point, I think it was in the third quarter, man, get Von Miller off the field. You know, it, it, any, anybody else at that point, if it meant a larger role for Shaq Lawson, fine. Uh, he just, again, invisible for most of this game. And, you know, uh, the, Maybe he made me eat my words a little bit because in the down down the stretch in the fourth quarter, uh, I, I thought he played really important football for the Bills. He had one of the plays of the game on the third down rush when he went outside, was able to force an incompletion, getting to Patrick Mahomes, hitting his arm and forcing the ball to hit the ground. The, the Chiefs end up having to settle for a field goal there, and if they score a touchdown, who knows if this isn't a, a different game uh, after that. Uh, and then I thought that on the Oliver play where he had the tip, Von Miller applied some pressure on that play as well. So down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Von Miller making some plays. And you know, I walked up into, to him at his locker after the game, asked him to talk. And, you know, he said no for the second time in three days. 
And obviously what's going on with him off the field is the, the reason why. And, and it just, it provides this cloud over his situation that we're going to continue to have to monitor here over, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, the rest of the season. Yeah. To his credit, he made some plays late, but there was also about three quarters, Matt, where he was as ineffective as anyone I've seen this season, uh, taking a wide path around, not coming anywhere close to the quarterback, uh, not having any kind of impact whatsoever. So, you know, if when you point out the good, you got to point out the bad too. There's a lot of ineffective play, but in terms of just Von Miller, the pass rusher, nothing to do with the uh, off the field, uh, everything that happened in, in Dallas, he did make some plays when it mattered for this team late. He did apply some pressure. Uh, so when we've heard from the coaches about what well, we're seeing, some flashes uh, of uh, the old Vaughn coming back in terms of the pass rush moves. And Eric Washington said something to that extent a few weeks ago. You know, there were two really good snaps tonight where he did show up and he did make a play for this team, uh, getting that pressure, that initial pressure, moving Mahomes, hitting Mahomes, like you said, to force the incompletion. So uh, definitely some some good there. But until he speaks, like you said, there's going to be this big cloud over him over, you know, Buffalo and, and handling of the situation. Uh, it, it, to be this far along into this now and not to have a statement from him or his attorney that he just keeps saying no to the media, uh, it, it's interesting. But the sooner he comes out and makes some kind of statement or interview or meets with the media, um, the, the sooner we can kind of move ahead with this. But you know, he end, like I said, he ended the game on a good note. Uh, through three quarters, I thought it was really time to pri- probably make him inactive and move on to Kingsley Jonathan and, and get a younger guy out there for some important games down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, Von Miller, two quarterback hits. He led the Bills uh, in that stat category today, tied with Greg Rousseau, who had two himself. The Bills as a whole defense, five pass defense. Uh, Taron Johnson had one, Oliver, obviously, uh, Rasul Douglas, who I thought played a pretty solid game as well. Rousseau had one, uh, on the, he got linked up with the, um, running back. I think it was Edwards Hilaire out in space playing, uh, some, some cornerback, throwing some cornerback in there for, uh, Rousseau on that play, which I thought was interesting. And then Epinesa with the one as well. I, I thought defensively in the secondary, uh, the way that, uh, they played against their, their, their offense. And now this is an offense for the chiefs that's struggling. They have wide receivers that can't uh, catch the ball. I mean, it, it's week after week. It, it's amazing to see um, how this kind of storyline continues to play out. But I thought overall defensively they had a, a, a really good game. Tyrell Dotson goes out of the game, comes back in. Uh, I thought Dorian Williams um, was in there for only a few, and, and then Dotson comes in and uh, finishes. They're in a good spot with with all of that. And if you know the off the field stuff, notwithstanding, Von Miller's playing. Um, so just from a football perspective, evaluating the way that he played in the fourth quarter, you know, if he can be somebody that's now giving you something. And I thought it was interesting that he was playing without the brace today. I think it was the first time that he was playing without the brace on the knee all season. Uh, maybe that contributed. I'd love to have uh, asked him, but, uh, he didn't want to talk. Yeah. And like you said, there's nothing that we can really do about that in terms of the, um, the interview part of it or, or getting answers from him. But real quick, we did get that super chat from Phil and Phil meant to attach this question to it, Matt. So uh, I'm going to put it in here now before we move back in, into the game talk here. 
you want so how do you see this defense standing up to this Dallas run game that we're seeing tonight and obviously you're at uh Arrowhead Stadium still you know but Dallas is looking good here tonight and they do have an effective run game Tony Pollard's been coming on here uh this season you, you got to hope that the elements work in Buffalo's favor uh Dallas not being used to maybe playing in the cold in December and uh, can can affect their run game to a certain extent. If Josh Allen and the Bills can put up points early uh, may, and then make Dallas throw the ball more than maybe they would like to, that could work to their advantage as well. But, you know, right now, Dallas, they're putting together a great game here against the Philadelphia Eagles. They've looked like the better team uh, through the first two-plus quarters of this game. So it's going to be a, a big challenge for the Bills next weekend. Yeah, um, it has been up on in the press box so i've been kind of peeking at it every once in a while and it's uh i think i mentioned it to the line of writers uh from buffalo that were sitting there the, the bills have a huge problem next week this is uh you know it's starting to look more and more like when you look through this this playoff picture the bills are going to have to really uh win out uh to give themselves the best chance to make it into the playoffs and right now you have cleveland pittsburgh cincinnati in that five, six, seven spot, you have Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, who just continues to win as well. So it's it's a situation where if you need to win every game, I almost feel like this is the last hurrah before you can maybe get a couple of games where you feel a little bit more comfortable about it, from a fan's perspective about being able to win those games. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a gauntlet. I think Dallas is. A different team and if you remember Ryan we've talked about this a couple of times it's funny like going into the year I felt like with the, the moves that they made were enough to give me uh the idea that they can make a run towards the Super Bowl and that was my pick the Bills and the Cowboys in the Super Bowl and I remember fans in our insider chat going kind of nuts about that because like how could you have the Bills going back to the Super Bowl and then have Dallas be there waiting for them <laughs> again um but they do look like a juggernaut I mean they're handling the Eagles right now uh Dak Prescott has looked like a completely different quarterback. I think a big part of that is, you know, he's been healthy this season, 24-13 there in the third quarter. So we'll see how that thing transpires. But, you know, they're playing at home. I think going on the road to, to play in Buffalo, I think, is a big piece of this, how he handles that pressure. And I think that it's crazy how this stuff works. But, like, the Tyler Dunn stories, no matter what you think of them and no matter – what you, um, how it made you feel. I know a lot of Bills fans were talking about the timing and that pissing them off. But man, is this something that could just be a galvanizing force that completely is the uptick for this Bills season and, and allows them to come up with not only a big road win on the uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, but potentially a win against the Dallas Cowboys at home because they, they need it. Yeah, and Josh Allen said today that they're looking at every game on their schedule as a playoff type of game, and it's funny. Uh, I think he said in his post-game speech something about win in advance, just like it was a truly a playoff game today. So the, the Bills have that mentality. They, they back themselves up into a tough spot. The locker room is all in support of McDermott now. That might help them out. Dallas is the big, you know, the, the big opponent remaining on their schedule that's in their way. And obviously Miami in the final week could be playing for something too. And they would be a, a tough test as well. But you and I were talking pre-show Justin Herbert might be out for the rest of the year after fracturing his finger today. Uh, more word on that soon. Even if it's not for the rest of the season, 
the fact, you know, having him back by December 23rd might not uh, be possible. You have a Patriots team that I know the Bills lost them earlier this year, but they should be uh, up for that rematch to really kind of get back, you know, get back at that loss, so to speak. So Dallas is this one really big game, and uh, I'm sure that the the Bills are going to be up for it. I'm sure Dallas will be too, but these divisional games, especially for Dallas tonight against Philadelphia, a team that has had Dallas's number the past few years, if they win this game, there is that emotional high uh, that they'll be kind of riding for the week, and sometimes that leads to a letdown. Uh, the following week. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Every team matches up differently. But to the original question, that run game of Dallas, it's legit. It's something where the Bills have uh, really struggled tackling all season, but especially at times today. So it would be a major concern. Um, If you want to take all your concerns and throw them out the window, become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider because we're giving a two-week free trial right now, and we're going to be blowing up that text line over the next 24 hours to give you all of the coverage coming out of this Bills win over the Chiefs. Uh, We'll have pro football focus grades tomorrow. We will – I'll have a lot of – Thoughts on, you know, Joe Brady has a really important press conference tomorrow because we're going to flip this to the offense here. And, you know, they came out, played really strong on their first three drives and things kind of went off the rails and some play calling, some late game management stuff. You know, this was the first time where, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, starting to come into question with Joe Brady. So I'll have some thoughts on, you know, uh, what he says in his press conference tomorrow. And you can become an insider by texting 716 Five two eight six seven two seven. Um, give two week free trial and then three ninety nine a month after that. The shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at two thirty seven Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at seven one six eight five two one two three four or check out letrolaw.com. All right, I have a couple people on offense I want to start. I want to talk about, but we need to start at James Cook. Because I he was very high up in my observations list. And to me, Ryan, today was one of those days where I feel like this is what Brandon Bean envisioned when he drafted James Cook. That weapon out of the backfield, that that running back that you can kind of lean on because of his uh, quickness, his versatility. When he decides to run downhill, hit a, hit a hole, um, in advance and fall forward. I feel like he is a really effective running back. Uh, the interesting thing enough uh, about how Brady is kind of spreading things out in that running back room. I thought that we didn't see enough at times of James cook. And that's coming from somebody who has advocated for more for Ty, uh, Johnson, who had five carries for 19 yards today. Uh, you had Latavius Murray three for nine yards. I know he's out there a lot for his pass blocking ability, uh, 10 carries, 58 yards for James Cook. He leads all Buffalo Bills receivers with five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Over 100 all-purpose yards. He's the first running back to do that uh, in four games in a season, I think, since um, LaShawn McCoy. A really good game for James Cook, but an important one. Like He is, he is developed into running back one, and I, I wonder if we have to start asking ourselves if it needs to look uh, a little bit different in terms of snap share in that backfield. It definitely needs to, Matt, when he, he's playing as well as he is, you know, ride the hot hand, so to speak. He takes the wheel route and makes a big catch there. He has the touchdown pass where he's wide open in the middle of the field. He's running the ball effectively. You get their first, se- the Buffalo's first series of the second half, and it was Cook, and he was 
running the ball well, and then it felt like he wasn't on the field for quite some time. And yes, uh, they do have faith in Ty Johnson. Latavius Murray is out there for his blocking, but James Cook was the, you know, arguably, I would say the MVP of this offense today. He was the reason why they ended up winning this game on that side of the ball because of his playmaking ability. But he didn't get enough looks. He didn't get enough touches, in my opinion. So it's definitely something where I'm hoping, like like you said, in certain scenarios, the Bills realize, okay, you know, we might have this be the Ty Johnson drive, you know, put in in pencil, so to speak. But if James Cook is running the ball well, why take him off the field uh, unless he's asking for a breather? Keep the guy out there that's performing well, that's uh, finding running lanes, that's uh, a major threat every time that he catches the ball. So there's a lot to be said about that. And again, that's something that we can uh, kind of question Joe Brady about tomorrow. The Bills have faced the Eagles, the Jets. Two pretty good defenses. Denver, pretty good defense. That before that game against Denver, I remember the week before us talking about on the preview show how great they were in that previous game on their defensive line. They were roughing up the quarterback. I remember that being a talking point. And then obviously Cincinnati. In those four games, Ryan, the Bills allowed three sacks total. They allowed three sacks today against the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought this offensive line performance today was probably the most concerning of the season for me. Uh, this is a good defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't get it twisted. Chris Jones is really good. Um, George Karloftis, I thought, looked good uh, at times tonight. Uh, he had a sack. They're really good at like sending blitzes. Uh, Amanahu had a, a sack as well. But it just looked like at times, as things were kind of spiraling uh, with, I think it was six points on the final six drives, um, the offensive line for me was, was the big culprit. Um, and, and that, that's not good with with Michael Parsons coming to town next week. Right. Yeah. You know, you mentioned PFF grades and the shout insider text tomorrow, and I'll be interested to see some of those grades. I, I think some of the O line is going to have some miserably low grades. Uh, I thought Connor McGovern really struggled out there today, Matt. I, I was kind of watching him a lot early. It felt like he was getting pushed around at times. But there, it just seemed like there was a lot of pressure in general from the Chiefs uh, right after the snap where Josh Allen had to move off of his mark. He had to uh, evade pressure coming off the edge or from the inside, wherever it was. And it probably disrupted the timing of a lot of plays. It disrupted uh, what they could do, who they could throw the ball to. It made life very difficult for him. So definitely <laughs> one of the worst offensive line performances this season for the Bills, and you know, I'm right there with you. I think that that was the major weakness for this team on the offense side of the ball tonight. Um, in addition to some concerns, I thought it was a bit of a concerning performance from Stefan Diggs, and I and I saw somebody in the comments say, "Where was Stefan Diggs?" And it was a game that a couple drops in there. I mean, I think his drop rate is going to be at the end of the season one of the highest he's had in his, maybe his career. I, I, I got to look at that. I'll bring up the advanced stats right now as we're talking about it. But, you know, it's it's something where Diggs, to me, at this point of the season, really has to elevate himself. And, you know, that one drop where I think it was on his chest pretty quick, and, and it was a bullet from Josh Allen, is a third down play. Like, those are the plays, like, where you need your star superstar wide receiver to make those plays. Like, it, it's as simple as that. And... He right now, it's been, I think, like over a month since 
one of those big time signature Stefan Diggs performances. I mean, we're talking about uh, 11 targets in this game today, Ryan. Uh, last I checked, let me see if that's official. That's right. Four catches, 24 yards. And if you go back through some of his numbers over the last couple of weeks, six for 74 and a touchdown versus the Eagles, solid, right? But that was 11 targets. So five times right. he was targeted in that game. The Bills didn't come away with a catch. Eight targets for four catches against the Jets. Five targets, three catches uh, for 34 yards against the Broncos. Six for 86, nine for 70, six for 58. The last 100-yard game that he had was against the Giants, and that was as part of a string of five of his first six where he went over 100. Yeah, tonight was not good for for him whatsoever. Uh, a few key drops on that third down play that you mentioned. Uh, late in the game where it looked like the Bills could have taken maybe the clock all the way down to the end and kicked a field goal. It's first and 10, something like two minutes and 14 seconds, somewhere in, in that range on the clock. And they dial up an RPO and Allen wants to get it out to him. And, you know, that was a relatively safe pass. Should have been an easy catch. Uh, the clock would have run down to the two-minute warning there, or you would have forced the Chiefs to burn a timeout. But instead, he just drops it. And, and it was a terrible drop. It was just right off of his hands. He was looking up too quickly, lack of focus, whatever it was. And in those big moments, you need your superstars. And he just was not performing well tonight. And I don't know if it was something with the physicality of the Chiefs. They were doubling him throughout the night. You saw some pushing and shoving. Uh, very chippy matchup, not just with with Diggs and uh, Sneed, but they were getting after it a little bit on the field. Uh, I don't know if that just threw him off, but he really did struggle tonight. The wide receivers in general just didn't do much tonight. Um, so I see someone in the comments here saying something about Gabe Davis. Listen, Gabe Davis was wide open in the end zone on one play, but Allen had pressure in his face. He probably just didn't see it. But he would have, he could have been the hero of this game with a touchdown late. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. I, I know though that he had a, a, I believe he had a drop. Maybe it wasn't recorded or registered as a drop, but he had one that he could have hauled in too. The wide receivers in general tonight were not good enough. Yeah, and I and I feel like on that Gabe Davis play where you, you you'd love for him to make that play and find it. I wonder how much the underneath stuff wasn't a priority because of the game management, right? I I'd give them the benefit of the doubt on that, like trying to move the ball down the field and maybe play the clock game a little bit. But at the same time, Ryan, you got first and ten with two seventeen left in the game, two timeouts left for the Chief on that first down play. And it was that it was that little screen to Stefan Diggs. You got to run the ball there. You got to get it down to the two minute warning. You got to force them to start getting into their timeouts and putting the pressure on them. And that to me is where you know, that's the first test of Joe Brady's stint as offensive coordinator, where maybe he failed, is that in those moments, you got to make play calling decisions based on the, the time management, the clock management. And of course, you put some of that on McDermott. He's got to be able to, you know communicate that to his offensive coordinator that this is the plan this is what we need to do so what ends up happening is you have to kick a field goal with just under two minutes to go after an incompletion and then you go for a, a an end zone shot that doesn't work and now you're stuck in a situation where you have to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and put it on your defense which has failed in this play in this time before and and maybe this the success of the defense in this spot is something that drives them moving forward and ends up being a good thing for the season. And, and that's fine. But in that moment, like you just got to play it much more. The, the, the offense was driving so methodically down the field, like plotting its way down the field. I felt like 
you know, at a little bit over four minutes, this is kind of setting up perfect to where maybe you can run the ball, run the clock all the way down and then kick a field goal. Yeah, no, you're right. And the one thing I'll say about that digs throw, though, is I thought it was a safe pass that you should catch that would have taken time off the clock. But if if I were calling the plays, I agree. You run on first down, you either get to the two-minute warning, cause the Chiefs to burn a timeout one or the other. Uh, even second down, I'm running the ball again. That doesn't mean it has to go to Cook. It has to go to Johnson. It, it could be a design quarterback run. Uh, you know, Allen going up the middle, it, it didn't work a lot tonight. He did have the one rushing touchdown <laughs> where he had uh, half the Chiefs defense on his back, but then he had the Bills O-line pushing him in. But maybe, you know, running him out to the outside with some blockers in front of him, something like that, keeping him in bounds, allowing, allowing the clock to run. The, the clock management at the end of the game from Joe Brady in the offense just left way too much time on the clock. And, you know, the defense stepped up tonight. We're able to force the turnover on downs, but like you said, that's kind of been the story this year. Josh Allen leaves the field with a lead, but they leave too much time for the opposing team, and it comes back to bite the Bills in the end. Scott Blakely, one of our regulars over on YouTube, says, what was Mahomey crying about? Uh, he's frustrated about the officials. I mean, this is – I think part of it is the officials have been such a, a storyline this season. I mean, the Bills have had it in several games this year. Uh, across the league, it's been a huge talking point. And I thought uh, Mahomes, an, an additional part of what's so frustrating, I thought it was funny, Ed Oliver, um, he said, yeah, Mahomes looked flustered over there. And I said, oh, why was he flustered? He was like, because we were pressuring him. Uh, and, and so he kind of took it upon himself to say that it was the Bills that kind of made that happen. But I think it was the a combination of all of the things, not having the success on that drive, the, the, the officials, but also this crop of wide receivers, Ryan. Can you imagine what it's got to be like for Patrick Mahomes to be watching Tyreek Hill about to go for 2,000 and you have – a crop of receivers and in and, and half of them at least can't even catch the football. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, Tony obviously um, is going to be remembered for being offside more than anything else, but he had a brutal drop along the sidelines earlier in the game. And that's been a story. I've seen a lot of games this year with Justin Watson dropping balls, MVS dropping passes. The MVS drop is maybe the worst drop of the NFL season. I don't yeah. think that's hyperbole either. Yeah, so it's just it's got to be frustrating for him. But it's all, I'm just going to say it's a bad look for Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, I believe it was Jarek McKinnon, too. McKinnon was asked in in uh, the locker room tonight, and he said the refs, the refs were out or the refs were against us tonight or something along those lines, like literally calling them out. So I'm sure he'll get a nice fine for that. Mahomes going after the, the one sideline official in-game and – yelling at him and then Reed saying that, you know, it's up to the officials to let us know uh, pre-snap if, if we're outside like that. But as you pointed out earlier, that's not the case if it's egregious. So uh, a lot of finger pointing for these officials where Kansas City had every opportunity to win this game and they could only muster 17 points against the Bills uh, at home coming off of a loss. And again, you don't usually see them lose back-to-back games. I'm just watching the video uh, Thad Brown put out uh, from the exchange between Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes on uh, after the game, and you could just see Mahomes is just absolutely furious too, kind of going on. You could hear a little bit of the audio, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that uh, we'll we'll see how what the league does about this. Because I do think it's a huge problem. There's there's ways to, in, in this instance, not withstanding, but I'm talking about like 
when calls are made poorly, I just feel like there's, there's a, a path to a fix that makes sense. You know, some of these games, Ryan, like the, the one play when they were looking at the fumble or whatever it was, one of the plays they were looking at, it was like a three minute delay. And I'm sitting here just oh, like, yeah, man, what are we doing? Like, there's gotta be a way somebody isn't like, you have one official that is a part of a room with a bunch of people from the NFL watching. I mean, I guess you can get into some shady business there too. I don't know. I guess there's no perfect way to do it, but like there's gotta be a way, whether it's a sky judge or some type of yeah. deal like that, where it's all on them and they have to answer for it. And it's part of their reputation um, and, and make the call. Uh, it, it's a tough gig, but um, we got our good buddy, uh, Bernardo Dietze uh, from Brazil. Coach Clown lost the game again, saved by uh, the offside. Um, listen, I, I get the frustration with Sean McDermott. We've been we've been critical of him on this show. Um, I will say a couple things though. You know, to watch this week for him, you know, that had to be tough, man. Like to think about being the talking point. You know, when you turn on NFL Sunday Countdown. And they spent an eight minute segment talking about one of the, one of what the, probably the worst moments of his life. Like, you know, not only that, that happened, that he made that mistake, but then it was made public um, and fair play. It was made public in a story where somebody told the story and that's part of the business. And, you know, it happens, but to go through this week and to see the way that everybody questioned his character and the way that people inside the building have come out over the last couple of days and then in the aftermath of this and, and have had his back. And that's what I'm writing about at the site uh, right now. Like just objectively, like I think like from a human perspective, I think you could feel for that. I think sometimes things are a little bit bigger than football too. And I'm not judging you here, Bernardo. I get it. You've been on this train since 13 seconds. You've wanted a new coach and I totally get it. You know, that's what that's what's great about being a fan, having a, a strong stance, being passionate about it. And you were ahead of most people on this, Bernardo. And so I, I tip my hat to you. I mean, he's definitely his seat is hot from the media and fan perspective for sure. I still don't think it's hot in the building. If you go and watch the video of Brandon Bean handing him the game ball tonight, and I and I retweeted it and said, tough effing week. We, we got your effing back. You could see Terry Pagula in the background, I believe. Uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, with a big smile on his face. And I think internally there is support for Sean McDermott. And I think that I, I know people don't like this excuse or this, this, this piece of this line of thinking. I've seen some, some media members tweeting about it. Like you can't be scared of what's going to happen and make that fear be why you don't make a change. But I think it is real that to assume that a change for something that you don't know is going to be better. And, and, and listen, there's this stat out there, right? I, I don't have it specifically. I got to research it a little bit more, but it's floating around that a quarterback wide or head coach combo has never won a Super Bowl together for the first time after five years spent together. I think there's a stat out there, uh, somewhere like that. I'm going to look into it a little bit more. So don't quote me on it. Um, and that being the reason why, all right, this hasn't worked. Move on from Sean McDermott. There's got to, they got Josh Allen. All they have to figure out a way to do in this organization is for Sean McDermott to pull back and put full faith into the quarterback. And maybe all of this in an indirect way will be the perfect medicine 
for McDermott to figure out a way to do that. Defensively, we saw it tonight. That was the best quarterback on the planet. And on third down and on fourth down, Sean McDermott won that chess match. And so I think you give him credit for that. Yeah, you do. And again, players making plays, batting passes, uh, but having them in the right position to do so. Uh, getting the pressure off the edge without sending, you know, without going with an all-out blitz like they did against uh, Denver, for instance, where they gave up a lot of yardage in a big play there. So he dialed up the right plays. The players performed well. They ended up winning this game. Uh, to your previous talking point, you're right in that video. Terry Pagula is back there smiling, clapping when he's when uh, McDermott's getting the game ball. I don't necessarily see them moving off of uh, McDermott and and. That's, you know, I understand it. This has been a down year in terms of their record, but they're still one of the better offenses in this league. There's been a lot of uh, injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and those injuries continue to keep, you know, getting piled on. We saw Micah Hyde uh, get hurt a few times in this game. We saw Dodson go out. There, there was a lot of uh, defensive players who keep getting hurt. So I, I think they can also lean on that point out that, hey, we're missing a lot of our key contributors, a lot of our key players there. So, you know, I, I think that he is going to be safe regardless of the outcome of this year uh, because it sure seems like and feels like that locker room has his back and uh, based on the way they were acting tonight. Uh, I want to talk about two more things real quick on Josh Allen, nine game interception streak. And um, I think that it's concerning, right? You don't want that level of carelessness with the football. Tonight's interceptions, one where you, you wish he doesn't make that throw. But, man, Ryan, isn't it crazy in a game like this where you have the one turnover and there's at least six or seven plays where you're just like jaw on the floor, oh, my God, I cannot believe he just made that play. That play where he is kind of like floating out of bounds and finds a way to get it over the top of the defense in this – Perfect, like, drop it in a bucket throw to Latavius Murray. And, oh, by the way, listen, the Bills are going to have to do some assessment here, some self-scouting. They got to figure out a way to either trust James Cook and Ty Johnson a little bit more in pass protection, because I get it. That's why Latavius Murray's on the field as much as he is. But you want one of those two guys in that spot to try to make that catch, I think. They're younger. They're more athletic. They're more elusive. They're just a better option. It's what you drafted James Cook to be. He's got to be out there on the field for that play. Josh Allen on that play, uh, NFL Next Gen Stats put out a, um, uh, a graphic uh, on the throw as uh, 54 comes in off the edge. Allen goes off to the side by some time. He had 0.2 yards from the sideline when he released the ball. 0.2 and the 22-yard pass to Murray, the closest distance to the sideline of any completion since 2018. Completions within one yard of the sideline in that span. The NFL as a whole, one. Josh Allen, five. I mean, the dude's special, right? Yeah, that was an insane play, keeping the play uh, alive for the last possible second. We've seen this before. We saw in a playoff game against the Patriots a few years ago, he uh Kept the play going, kept it going, was right along the sidelines, and he threw a touchdown pass to Dawson Knox. It's just he never wants to give up on the play, and uh, that's the the greatness of Josh Allen. And, you know, for the greatness and, and not wanting to give up on a play, there are other times, too, though, where he needs to realize a play is over, like that interception <laughs> in the first half that kind of gave the Chiefs a little bit of momentum. 
Um, it was essentially just you either try to run for the pylon, and I know he had a defender right there. He may not have ended up getting it, or you throw it away. The, the pass he attempted was to a receiver who was already kind of down on the ground and had slipped. Uh, just an e- way too easy of an interception for Kansas City, and it set them up in a, in a great spot. So, yes, this interception streak is concerning, uh, but you also live with it because of those special plays that he makes and continues to make on a semi-regular basis. Final uh, point I want to get into here, Ryan, the return of Dawson Knox tonight to the lineup for the Buffalo Bills. He ends up going for, let me bring up the stat here, three catches on three targets. So no drops for Dawson Knox tonight, which is huge, 36 yards. I I pulled up the stats here. Uh, I charted the game uh, to give people a little idea of what it looked like with Joe Brady calling the plays. Knox's first game back. I didn't tally up the total snap counts. We'll obviously have those in the morning. But when the Bills were in 12 personnel tonight, they were uh, 25 occasions uh, out of 73 plays, which adds up to 34% total. Their 12 personnel percentage on the season going into this game, uh, 18.7%. So they were almost double what they have been uh, for the majority of the season. So Knox gets back and the percentage of that package goes up quite a bit. And I thought it was interesting that on the second touchdown drive, the bills were in 12 personnel on five of their six plays uh, leading up to the cook touchdown pass. And actually they were in 12 personnel with Sherfield and Gabe Davis on the field with Kincaid and Knox on the touchdown to James cook. Yeah. Listen, 12 personnel. I feel like it's, it's hasn't necessarily been what they envisioned uh, the, the entire course of this season, when it was Ken Dorsey and when, when it's been Joe Brady, and small sample size with Joe Brady because this was Dawson Knox's first game back. But it, it just feels like uh, they they struggle to get open on a regular basis when this personnel is in. Uh, they're not necessarily uh, being able to make a lot of explosive plays from the receivers and, and the tight ends in that package. Now, like you said, <laughs> Knox, three catches, 36 yards. Kincaid was something like five catches for 21 yards. Uh, I, I feel or I feel like when the Bills were running more 11 personnel in the past few weeks, that's when Kincaid had more opportunity to shine. He was able to um, get open in the middle of the field while there was a lot of maybe stress on defenders to cover the wide receivers that are out there. Um, I, I would like to see that to- total, that percentage total go down Next week, you can still get packages out there for Dawson Knox. You can get packages out there just for Kincaid. And then you can do a little bit of 12 personnel with both. Uh, But that that did seem like a very high percentage tonight in this game. And listen, the Bills won this game. Maybe it's just something they want to keep working at because they feel like there's a lot to be unlocked with it. But I just haven't seen enough in the results this season uh, to keep using it at such a high total. You know, I have a little PSA here at the end uh, of the show tonight. Um, let's be kind to each other. There is there is a lot of toxic stuff going on around on social media. And, you know, I've been out here talking about the Tyler Dunn story over the last couple of days. We talked about it on the TV today. You know, I went out to dinner last night with Tim Graham, uh, Josh Reed, and Thad Brown. We talked about it for four hours over beers and dinner. Um, I've spent some time with Tyler Dunn. He, he's a good dude. Um, he's trying to do his job. Some of the stuff that I've seen on social media, man, around this is, 
I get being frustrated about it, but just think about just the kindness that we could spread, especially this kind of year, there's time of year. There's so much hardships in people's lives and you never know what people are going through. And, you know, I'm going to be, I'm just telling people right now, I know I'm going to get a lot of messages over the next couple of weeks asking if they, if I can unblock them on Twitter, because I've been liberal with the block button. My new protocol is, you know, if it's not kindness, if it's not adding to the positive discourse on social media, man, I'm just not about it. I'm not going to be about it. And I'm a positive guy. Try to bring positivity to the scene and let's strive for that in all of our interactions. And, and just, I know everybody's passionate. I know everybody's, you know, super into this thing. Um, part of the reason I've been so liberal with the block button, Ryan, is because we've got this whole new uh, community over on uh, the insiders group that we absolutely love. Um, and, and we're leaning into a lot of the time over there. So sorry for the PSA. Um, go easy on time, man. Like the dude is, he's trying to do his job right or wrong, whether you, whether you agree with it or not. And I get it. And some people think it's a character assassination, a, a hit piece, all that kind of stuff. Um but I know him and he's a good dude and uh, just, just be kind to each other. Yeah, no, great PSA to end the show tonight, Matt. I agree with that. You can be upset with the, the article. You can be upset if you think this was uh, something, you know, that uh, going to 25 people, getting anonymous quotes and things like that. If you don't agree with the, the methodology to it, but like you said, um, you don't have to attack Ty on social media. You don't have to say things like, you know, anything negative. Uh, be the positive light, you know, especially holiday season, like you said. Uh, I, I think that was a great note here to end our show. Uh, speaking of a note to end the show, we are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, and Christmas bonus is still going on. It is a great deal. They got all these amazing gift cards that you can get a deal on. Best Buy, Macy's, Toys R Us, Fanatics, Bass Pro Shops, Regal, Banana Republic, PlayStation, GameStop, Old Navy, and so many more. I can't even name them all. Just by shopping for your groceries at Tops, and you could save $10 on participating $50 gift cards. That's an extra 20% savings on all your holiday gifts just for buying your groceries at Tops. Earn one gift point for every grocery purchase you make of $50 or more now through December 24th. Then redeem one gift point at Tops Checkout for $10 off a $50 gift card to participating retailers now through December 31st. Gift points are automatically added to your Tops Bonus Plus account. can be tracked on your receipt or by clicking here. Limit one $10 discount per $50 gift card. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Become an insider to go- today. Two-week free trial. I gave you the number. DM me. Maybe I'll even give you a month free. We'll see how it goes. Big week coming up. Take care, everybody. Oh, and Donnie brings up a great point. Rest in peace. Peace to uh, Frank Wycheck, 52 years old, always a part of Buffalo Bills history. Rest in peace to him. Such a sad story. Former Tennessee Titan. Um, man, was that just a, one of the crazy moments in NFL history? RIP uh, Frank Wycheck. Shout out to him at the end of the show. Take care, everybody.